Hello, Metro Augusta, and hello, Georgia. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the February 22nd edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show, as always, is brought to you as a service of my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates where we proudly provide services to local government and nonprofit organizations. Today, we continue our conversation with Richmond County School Board Trustee, Dr. Wayne Frazier. Uh, we did part one last week, part two this week, uh, and this is another in our ongoing occasional series related to public education and what can be done to improve it. We have titled this series, are schools failing our kids or kids failing school? Thank you so much for being here to listen to this important conversation and for being a part of the Local Matters family. Be blessed. Local Matters family, we are back with Dr. Wayne Frazier for part two of our conversation. Uh, last week, he said something that really struck a chord with me and that is um, this whole notion of how integration hadn't happened the way that we thought it was going to happen. Um, when I graduated from Richmond Academy eh, 40 years ago, 41 years ago, uh, 42 years ago, maybe, when I graduated, we were a very integrated school. We were roughly 50-50 um, in terms of African-Americans and white students. And now, as he pointed out, Richmond Academy and every other school in the system, it has become majority Black. And I think that is a surprise to everybody. Um, I had never envisioned that we would come to a point where, um, frankly, white families would change counties, pay expensive private school tuition, et cetera, et cetera, in order to keep our school schools from truly being integrated. And that's what I feel like has happened. And there's a various, um, you know, there's a set of uh, numerous reasons that that has happened, but that's where we are. So Dr. Frazier, did you ever think that was going to happen? No, I didn't think it was going to happen. However, I do, I do believe that uh, you cannot force any group of people to do anything that they don't want to do they make it and i think integration was basically forced and the uh the african-american or the black folks was the one pushing for integration and 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 where i've uh what i've seen is that was since i was in the midst of it when i was in school and like I said, in the late 60s, uh, late 50s and early 60s, I, everywhere that I've gone to school, I've never seen uh, white people uh, accepted it. I've never seen the, the real acceptance as a group that, that accepted uh, integration. Individually, I think there was some that accepted, but as a group, it was always a fight. And 
and based on where I've what I've seen in places that I've visited in other countries, what I found is that uh, black people is the only group of people in history that I know of actually fought to be integrated with another group of people who didn't want to be integrated. Uh, there's no other group of people that I know in history want to be integrated with another group of people, especially people who don't want to be integrated with you. And you can't, one thing you cannot do, you cannot integrate, one group cannot integrate by themselves. It, it's, it's going to take uh, both groups to say, this is what we want to do. And that had that didn't happen and it has not happened. And to show you it's, it's, it wasn't acceptable for that group, they chose private schools and church schools to educate their children. Or moving out of the county. Moving out the county or moving out of neighborhoods. I, I, I've seen all na uh, whole neighborhoods have moved out of neighborhoods uh, that uh, African-Americans uh, had integrated. And when they move in, uh, the white people move out. Now, these subjects, these are the kind of things that is, is impacting education uh, more than a bad mama or a bad daddy. Uh, it's, it's the rules we make and how we set people up for, for this, our children anyway, set our children up. And the standards of education in a lot of places goes down when white people move out. There are certain things that uh, we don't have to do when poor, ch when poor children are, uh, are, I believe that right now we're not having cursive writing in schools. Now, I don't know what they're doing in the uh, church schools or charter schools, but we've taken uh, uh, cursive writing out of schools. Our children won't be able to sign their names uh, after graduating. Uh, there's a lot of things that I, I see, and I, I'm not going to say everything because of race, but I just see some standards go down. That The darker the schools get, the lower the standards become in a lot of places. And and uh, these things, uh, these are a lot of times, a lot of times these subjects won't come up in the boardroom because uh, we don't like to talk uh, in a mixed company about the real problems. We like to make sure that everybody is comfortable in the conversation. And you cannot, I don't think you can make any positive change with if, if everybody comfortable. Uh, and I think that's what some of us do. Okay. And speaking of uncomfortable topics, one of the things that has come up um, that has been rather controversial is this notion of vouchers for uh, private education, um, where the state and or federal government would give a voucher to a family um, if that family is in an underperforming district. Um, or underperforming school and give them an opportunity to attend a private or charter school, et cetera. What do you think of that? Is that an option that should be on the table? Well, I put it this way. When you put those options on the table, if you look and see what's included, when you get that voucher, it's one way you can keep out, keep the poor children out and keep poor children from uh, benefiting from uh, that option is you have to provide your own transportation. 
And that's going to knock out a lot of the poor children or the children who don't have uh, resources. So, so I think that, uh, I don't think that's a good option for poor children in a way. Of uh, course, if, if you have an option, it, it should be an option that's not going to cost you uh, extra money to go or uh, to benefit from it. So and it's an option, but it's really kind of not an option. That's right. Exactly. Okay. That's where I, that's where I, that's where I see it now. I don't think I don't think we can help ch poor children unless we make sure they get an education without another burden being a financial burden being put on them. And I don't think that's going to happen through the government. Uh, basically, if we don't find a way to educate our children in our community, some kind of way where we find a way to do everything else. Uh, other folks not going to do it. There's no benefit. What benefit it is to educate uh, people that you don't want to even live by. There's no benefit in that. People don't. If I mean, if I don't want to live by you, why should I want to edu educate you? when I can just make excuses for you not getting an education. You're too lazy or you're too bad or your parents are no good. And then when I make those uh, comments, I have people in your own community in agreeing with me. So our children, our children are, are, are got a uphill battle because they have very little advocacy from their homes, from their community, from their churches, from their, uh, uh, fraternity organizations, you know, we'll show up for a book bag giveaway or a food giveaway or, you know, and that's good, but we need to do something long-term for our children, you know, and we, and it's not going to happen tomorrow, but we got to put something in place that's going to make an impact for years to come. And if we do that today, uh, I won't see it and you won't see it because we, we're doing this for the future, not for tomorrow. Because if we put anything in place, it's gonna take a little time for it to work and for it, for it to be successful. And I think a lot of us, if we, if we don't see it right now or see it with our name on it, uh, we're, not gonna, we're not gonna be too interested in it. We might send you a few dollars to, to donate to us, but we are not gonna spend a lot of time and our children are missing our time, they're missing nurturing you see our children are missing nurturing they're not missing basically money and uh things uh a lot of times they can get that anyway but our children are missing basic nurturing as human being children our time if we and uh if we don't spend that time find a way for parents or either community members to find a way to nurture our children and make sure that they are educated in our community without expecting other folks to educate them, uh, it's, it's, it's not gonna happen until we come together. And it's hard to come together uh, when we at odds about everything ourselves are, and don't wanna work together. So in other words, the way I see it, I can't blame any other group for destroying our children other than my own group, our own group, 
and the way we destroy them is by us not communicating effectively with each other. We can't help our children if we don't, if all the ministers in the town don't communicate effectively with each other. All of the legislators and commissioners don't don't uh, communicate effectively with each other. But we want our children to succeed without without us being effective with each other. And it's not going to happen uh, expecting Superman or somebody out the sky to come down here to help them or, or another group of people, the Democrats or the Republicans or whomever, the Baptists or the Methodists, these people are Omega, Sci-Fi, Alpha, all these titles and all these positions is not going, is not worth nothing unless they can come together and communicate effectively for our children. And that's where, that's the way I see it. Uh, and as it relates to the children learning and, and uh, you know, they're making bad grades or they don't come to school. Uh, when I was at Glen Hills, we put a program together uh, <clears throat> and all of the basically no fighting in the school. All that went away. Uh, all the children were dressed properly, pants up, shirt tucked in. Ladies had their uh, bodies covered, coming to school on time. and resulted in the highest graduation rate uh, for the uh, school improvement grant. And be because we replicated a lot of things that the children wasn't getting at home, we replicated it in the school as it relates to nurturing and treating them basically like human beings. Not, uh, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't uh, too much care about how they arrived to school and how they looked or how they smell. Our job was to make sure that uh, we changed that instead of putting them out and treating them like, and basically, and I know it sounds trite, but uh, treating these children, believe it or not, just treating them like human beings uh, made a big difference. And treat them, treat them uh, like you would treat a, a, your child you know, you want to, you don't want to put your child out to school and put them on the street knowing that they don't have transportation uh, like we did in the alternative school. You would, people that made that rule, if there was their children, they wouldn't make that rule about putting a child out and uh, make them walk to school and don't give them bus transportation because they had a minor offense at the regular school. But if it's for children that's not mine and too, I don't too much like or I'm scared of, I'm scared of them anyway, uh, or I think all of them bad, it's, I can sleep well at night allowing those children to walk the streets. So uh, some of the things that we do causes a, 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 a bigger problem. So when you treat children like, and, and I hate to say it like this, but I'm just telling you the way I see it, I see children, when children get treated like human beings, uh, they act like human beings. But if they treat it like animals and they talked about and, and uh, looked down upon and uh, being demeaned at every turn, what kind, of, what kind of response do you think we should get from them? And I personally saw the difference uh, 
when we put some things in place in, in, the, in some of the schools I was in, and all had to do with basically just treating them uh, with respect and, and listening to them and nurturing them. And it can, children can make it, they say, well, once they get 10 years old or 12 years old, we cannot uh, change them. They already, and, and that's the biggest lie I ever seen because we seen, I had children in high school. Once we start treating them like human beings and allowing them to have a say about what happens to them and then putting things in place that they said they want in place in the school. I seen uh, high school seniors turn around uh, behavior wise. So it's no such thing that we can't reach them. It's just do we want to reach them and do we have the time or want to take the time? And I'm not talking about giving them more money or, or material things. I'm just talking about how we uh, treat them as human beings and allow them to uh, have a voice. Yeah, and speak, and that's a very good observation because you're right. Uh, kids are just like adults. If you feel more engaged and somebody's listening to you, you're going to respond better. That's right. Um, and speaking of that, is there a place for uh, parents, other concerned citizens to voice their thoughts and share their opinions with the Board of Education um, so that their uh, ideas can be considered as you all embark upon the task of improving public education? Uh, yeah, parents can come to meetings, at board meetings also, and I think they have something online uh, when you go to the Richmond County School uh, system online. They, uh, they have a uh, form I think you can fill out and, you know, voice your opinion that way. But I would say, what I would say to parents is this. Uh, and I'm not saying don't use every opportunity you have for this individually or as a group to voice your opinion. But based on what I, I've seen and the things that I know that work, when you come together in a group in a non-adversarial way and say, these are the things that we want for our tax dollars. Don't, don't allow us board members to tell you that who pay us, you the boss, don't allow us to tell you we can't do nothing, we can't do something. I don't care. I don't care what the uh, books say or whatever. You just you just voice and say this is what we want, and we're not going to take no for an answer, and make us uh, do our jobs. And if you don't get what you want, I might be your cousin. I might be your favorite church member, but don't be ashamed to vote me out of office if you don't get what you think you need to get for your children or this community as it relates to education. Stop voting for folks who you just like because uh, you like the way they talk. Or That's my church member. That's my frat brother. I got to vote for him. Uh, that's my mama or that's my cousin. I got to vote for her. And they, they, she might be a good mother. Ain't nothing wrong with a good mother. That don't mean you're going to be a good uh, uh, advocate for children or a good uh, board member. Don't 
don't don't don't don't don't don't mix it up. See, a lot of times our folks uh, go out there and vote for people for other reason than being effective. And then blame the people that they put in office for not doing nothing. And but but keep on voting for them. I think the worst thing you can do for me in a way is vote for me because you like me because you I'm your friend. That's the, that's embarrassing. I hear people say that. Don't say that by me. If you don't think I'm doing what I need to be doing, you need to vote me out. And if I hold it against you, that's my fault. I'm, I'm uh, if you my friend and you tell me, say, Frazier, you my friend, I love you, but I got to get somebody else. If I'm your friend, I must still be your friend. You, you got a right to vote for who you want to vote for. And we put too much personal stuff on this voting stuff. You know, we put people in office and we don't give them an agenda when they get there. We don't ask for nothing. We just vote for him because uh, he the good, he the, he, the, he, the, he the pastor and we love how he preach. Uh, or, or he was a principal in the school system. He loved how he used to, used to be a principal. That's because you're a principal. That don't mean you're going to be a good board member. And, and see, we be voting for these people, and we are, we we don't we are not expecting nothing from them. And then sometimes they go in there, and that's exactly what they give you nothing. And we ain't asked for nothing, you see. And then we'll find one issue that they did uh, in the school system or as a board member, and we'll hold that against them. They, and a lot of times they had nothing to do with education, so we just got to. Uh, get a little bit more informed in our communities and uh, expect a lot more from each other instead of expecting from folks outside of our, our community. Uh, we expect them to do more for us than we expect from the people in our community. We got to hold ourselves accountable for our children. And that's what we're not do doing a good job of. So if I was to uh, tell parents to do anything is to come together on, on an agenda and say, this is what we going to demand from uh, our elected officials and don't and don't change. Make us do our job. Thank you for that. That is one of the primary reasons that I wanted to create Local Matters. I've been doing it now for almost three years because I really want people to think about how they make voting decisions, how they make those choices when they, they're holding, when they get the ballot in front of them. So I appreciate that from you as somebody who's currently an elected official. So one more question I want to ask you, and then it'll be time for us to wrap up with our final thoughts. And that is this whole notion of, again, failing schools. You know, I know the state has some rating system that they use to tell us if a school is failing. Can you just give us a little insight into how that system works and how they come up with those grades? Well, and generally, they, they call it the uh, CCPRI, and it is it it gauges uh, different areas. It gauges the different areas of academics, math, and science. They give you a grade in each one of those areas, and they give you a a, a what numerical score you have to have and also the uh, behavior in your schools, you know, what what kind of uh, the climate of your school. You know, some some schools are 
you don't like to have fights every day and that kind of thing. They grade you in that area. Uh, but I give you, I'm gonna give you a, uh, I guess the best way I can explain it to you based on what I see. I don't know if you ever heard of No Child Left Behind. Oh yeah, I heard of that. That was that a George Bush thing? Uh, yes. Okay, all right. But it, but I, but what I would, what I always tell people to do for when I'm in a group, when I'm with a group of people and they ask about No Child Left Behind, it sounds real good. That means we're going to take all children and make sure all of them graduate. That's what it means. That concept means to me, no child left behind. But I always ask people, when I'm in a room full of people, I ask them to just imagine and think about no child left behind. And just say if they if they grading you on the children who missed the most days out of school, you got you can't get a high grade in that area if you got a a, a lot of absentees. So when you look at your absentees and see who missed the most days, you're gonna say the black boy, the white boy, the black girl, or the white girl. Out of that group. Who do you think gonna miss the most days? And you do the same thing with who make the highest test scores in math, science, and reading. Black boy, white girl, or black girl, or whatever. And then who have the highest scores on the test? Who come to school the most? Who have the less discipline problems in the school? Now, when it comes to no child left behind. If you see which one of those out of that group, which one have the most issues in all of those areas, who's in that? Matter of fact, they even graded you on uh, uh, how many children was in special special ed, special needs program. Black boy, white boy, black girl, or white girl. Who's in most in special needs? Who missed the most days? Who fight the most? At the end of every all of it, which group has we get, get we get the lowest score your black boy but they say no child left behind but but the system was the grading system and how they grade and demographics how they grade the demographic of the groups of children in the school the black boy is always the one that's going to be at the end. So when I was in the school system, a lot of schools that had a high number of black boys always was being put in alternative school or being put out for whatever reason. To me, I think the principals wanted them out of that because when they get their test, they don't want to have that, that, that child around that, that much. A lot of them children was in, matter of fact, when I was in alternative school, 99.9% of the time, it was black boys and a few black girls. But that whole no child left behind to me uh, was uh, set up to, to, for a mission. And some, some people say, well, Fred, you, that's a conspiracy theory. Well, you can call it what you want to call it, but uh, that's the way it was, or that's the way it is. Now, did they plan it that way? I don't know. 
but that's that's exactly what happened. All every area that we're supposed to excel in is the same area that black boys was not excelling in. And then the next group on that list was the black girls. They might be in a worse shape now than the black boys was when I was in school. But see, we have to investigate these root, these are uh, these new ideals and these new uh plans we get in these school systems. We just take them because they sound good and say no child left behind. Everybody jumping up and down like, oh, we gonna all the children are gonna make it now because they got that new plan called no child left behind. Uh-huh, but you better check it out real close before you adopt it or before you start using it. Uh, for instance, I think right now we have a uh a system where you don't have to uh wait, I just put it this way. I think we talked about it earlier in a way, uh about that school choice. That school choice wasn't set up to benefit all of the children. They know they know what children that uh, what likely will not have transportation to go to the best schools. So uh, you can say you have school choice, but if you don't have if the, if the school is cross town, how you gonna get there? The, the school. They don't, they give you school choice, but they don't give you transportation like, like they will to your regular school that's failing. Okay. So it's a lot of things that we adopt, but we don't investigate them, I think, properly in our, from our communities. And the people that's who live, they, they, they the one who set the policy. Yes, ma'am. Well, I was going to say, if you have one thought, one closing thought for our listeners that you want them to take away from our two-part conversation, what is that going to be? I would say uh, have a serious talk in your communities, in your churches, and spend as much time, not, not as much, just half the time, coming up with an agenda with a group of people who want to do something to help our children. I, I, a portion of the time that you we that we are going to participate in the Super Bowl in the, in, the, in the next few days because right now somebody in a lot of places is gathering an agenda for the Super Bowl. We know where we're going to meet. We know what the agenda is. We know who's going to bring the the uh, the uh, the food. We know who's going to bring uh, the refreshments. We know uh, where we're going to have it. We know. Uh, I just say this. We're going to put a plan together for our church meetings, our church anniversaries. We're going to put a plan together for the Omega Sci-Fi and the oh, uh, our Greek organizations. When we do things that we got an agenda and we want and we're going to make sure it's successful. So use half of that, a part of that kind of time and that's that type of strategy to come together as a community to help our children. Not saying stop doing all the other stuff, but let's use this. Let's carve out some time for our children as a group. That's what I would I would say, ma'am. Thank you so much for your expertise and sharing that with our listeners. Also, just thank you so much for your service to the families and children of Richmond County for 
20 plus years. Yes, ma'am. I appreciate you having me. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.